As we look at this little letter in the end of our New Testament, 3 John, we read these last words of John as he's writing it to his friend Gaius. And he takes an uncharacteristically negative tone in these last few verses because he's upset. John sees two different types of people in the church. Now, he sees them in very specific individuals. He's telling Gaius that there is this one man in church. His name is Diotrephes. That Diotrephes is an example of everything you should never want to be, particularly in church life, particularly in Christian community. But there's a second man that he will tell the Gaius to be aware of and watch out for, and that is Demetrius. And Demetrius is the opposite. Demetrius is the kind of guy you want to be. It's like John is concluding this last letter with a tale of two church members. Each one of us, as Jesus changes our lives, you live in this unique dynamic tension of how God works in us, God changes us, God transforms us, God's grace enables every aspect of our life, but the immensity of his love allows us to continue making decisions, and we will make good decisions sometimes, and we will make bad decisions sometimes. And when we look at these two men in 3 John, when we look at these last few verses as, as, as John is writing this letter, we can make an intentional decision today what kind of person we want to be. In fact, our graduates understand this. They've been told this in commencement services. They've been told it in class. You've probably been told at home. But of all the periods or seasons in a person's life, you will make decisions in the next couple of years that will set a course that will either be like David described his relationship with God, a pathway where Jesus himself guides us, leads us, walks with us, and those pathways are of righteousness, or it'll be a pathway that ultimately leads us to destruction. And I know that's a lot of burden to carry. You just finished up classes, you just finished up school, but the decisions you make in the next couple of years are critical decisions about what kind of man, what kind of lady you're going to be in life. And the people you follow will influence that in a significant way. If you find a diatrophies, whether it's at school or in church or at work, and you decide, I like the way he is, I like his power, I like his strength, I, I, like, his, I like his confidence, well, then you'll follow that pathway to places that are inappropriate for a believer in Christ. Or you'll find somebody like Demetrius, you'll find somebody like Demetrius, and you'll say, you know, I want to be like that. And you'll follow his integrity, and you'll follow his positive example, and you'll follow his lifestyle, and be a person who has the ability throughout the remainder of your life to influence in a significant way. Finding role models is critical for all of us. Almost every one of us learn by watching someone else. That's why we'll encourage you, particularly those of our graduates that will be leaving town, those who will leave our immediate physical community, to find a community of faith where you go. And there are good churches, College Station, Tyler, even in Tulsa. There are, there are good churches. You can contact Pastor Cody, and we'll help you find those good churches because you want to be a part of a family of faith. 
You can stay with today's technology. You can stay with us all you want. You can stay on live stream. You can follow um, our student ministry as well as the church on Instagram. You can, you can stay connected with us. We're now podcasting Wednesday nights for students on Spotify. You can listen to Pastor Cody teach every Wednesday night. Or you could do it on Thursday night when you can't sleep and you, can, you want to listen to Pastor Cody teach. You can listen to Pastor Cody teach. But you'll need to find your new faith community. People that hopefully are more like Demetrius than Diotrephes. People who set an example and give us a pathway in which to live out our lives with the kind of conduct that brings glory to God. We can't help it because we're going in essentially the the order of the letter. We have to look at the negative side first. We have to look at this guy's diatrophies. The description begins in verse 9 as he begins to write about his attempts to communicate, John's attempts to communicate to the church. And he's he's going to start describing multiple characteristics about diatrophies that we should avoid. These are things we don't want to do. We don't want to be like this guy. There's subterfuge involved. There's arrogance involved. There's rebellion involved. There's gossip involved. There's isolation in the worst kind of way involved. And there's an absolute, always appearance of evil. Let's look at these in verse nine. He says, I wrote something to the church. That should be encouraging to Gaius. He was anticipating correspondence. He was anticipating help. He was anticipating consultation and guidance from his good friend and mentor, John. The problem is Diotrephes, who doesn't receive or accept or recognize their authority, intervened in somehow in some fashion. We don't know all the details of it. It appears that John's aware of it. Maybe Gaius is aware of it, and he doesn't go into details. But this man, Diotrephes, he was subverting the words and the communication and the consultation of the apostle for his own agenda. He he didn't want to recognize, he didn't want to accept the authority of the apostles. And so as communication came into that church, Diotrephes decided the church didn't need that communication. Maybe it was contrary to what he wanted to teach or what he wanted to accomplish or what his personal goals were. But there is no place in church for subterfuge. There is everything in church life, in being a godly person, being a godly man, being a godly woman, to elevate and encourage and to strengthen people, not to destroy or distract or take away from what God wants to do. And, we, and the, the sad part about this And you guys have probably already experienced it, but you'll experience it more as you go away, as you become a part of other faith communities, and as you you make those decisions about what pathway you're going to take, what kind of man of God you're going to be. As you make those decisions, you will find that just like the world, just like everything else that's surrounding us, church can be inappropriately filled with politics. People have their own agendas. People have their own ideas. People have their own preferences, and they are willing to destroy the community for the sake of their own preferences. And why would they do that? Because they're arrogant. Look at verse 9 again. I wrote something to the church, but Diotrephes, this, however he stopped this communication from happening, the reason for it is he loves to have first place. Now, I am competitive in nature. My family is competitive in nature. 
I, I really don't like the concept of participation awards because I want to be first place. I mean, we, we, I, I, and, I, and I create competitions. I create competition with myself. I mean, I, you know, we, I create competitions at deer camp. You know, who can take out the most hogs? Who gets the biggest deer? I, and honestly, don't tell the guys um, that hunt with me, but I want to be the victor every single time. I mean, it doesn't seem to matter what it is I'm doing in my life. I want to be the best. I, I want that first place. To some extent, that's not bad. That's what's helped motivate you, and that's why you've got honors and, and recognition taking place right now. But if it motivates you to do the subterfuge and do the rebellion and the other activities that Diotrephes is doing, then it's unhealthy. God doesn't care that we're motivated. He likes us motivated. But our motivation isn't at the expense of others, and it's never, never under any circumstance at the expense of the family of God. That's what's wrong with Diotrephes. He's doing these things for himself, and he's doing it to the family of God. So we, we avoid this subterfuge, we avoid arrogance, we avoid this rebellion, the unwillingness to receive authority. And most importantly, and you guys have already experienced this, everyone in here has experienced this, stay away from gossip. This is why he says, if I come, I will remind him of the works he's doing. You know, I gotta admit, there's enough in me that just kinda, I, I, I like the way John's saying, you know what, when I get there, Diotrephes is getting out of Dodge. I mean, I like it. I mean, I can, I can hear it. John's coming into church. Dun, 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 dun. I, I'm not that good at whistling. I can't do it. I have that song on my, on my cell phone, by the way, as a, as a ringtone. But you know, it's just like, John's like, I'm going to do business. But the unfortunate, the sad part of why he has to do business is... Diotrephes has been slandering him and the ministry with malicious words. Gossip hurts at any level. And this is something we should just avoid. And I'm not, I'm not I don't, I, I understand. I'm asking you to do something that's really, really hard. It's hard for all of us. It's so easy. Somebody walks in and they start talking about somebody else. And the next thing you know, you're like agreeing. And, and the next thing you know, it's kind of taken a turn and it's gone for the worse. And the things you're saying or the things you're thinking aren't appropriate, but it's so hard to stop. It's like once you start sliding down that slope, it's just going to take you all the way to the cesspool at the bottom. And then you're going to have to worry about cleaning it all off. Just stay away from this gossip. Don't become the guy that John needs to correct and hold accountable. And because it hurts, rarely is this kind of conversation ever helpful. We might think it is. Oh, you need to pray for such and such because you're not going to believe what they did last week. And this stuff happens in church all the time, but it isn't what builds up the body of Christ. And then be really careful about isolation and what we tend to call, at least in ministry and in business, a silo effect. If you look again at verse 10, Diotrephes, he's not satisfied with any of the information. He's not satisfied with anything John's doing. 
He refuses to welcome other believers, and he refuses to the point that he stops those who do want to. It's kind of hard to imagine this. But Diotrephes doesn't want anybody who doesn't agree with him. And if anybody who doesn't agree with him voices it, he steps in and he attempts to squelch that and and remove them and even has, according to John in the end of verse 10, even expelled them from church. Church is an open dialogue. It is an open communication. It is a safe place. As long as our agenda and our priority stays the priority of Christ. But the instant it becomes my priority or your priority, then we're going to start looking for allies. And as we look for allies, then we're going to create unhealthy connections that are not encouraging us, not strengthening us, but are reinforcing our already bad thought patterns. And the next thing we know, we don't want anything to do with anybody else. The church was designed for unity. I can look at you guys, most of you I've known since you were kids, I I can look at you all and I can tell you honestly and hopefully find a church next fall. If you're leaving town, find a church home and don't wait. Don't think, okay, I'll go through Rush or I'll go through all the other registration or I'll I'll wait till I get further along on my job and my certifications and things like that. Don't wait. Find that community of faith that encourages you and strengthens you because we don't do well on our own. But if it's a, and I can do that because I have confidence in the kingdom of God, not one place. I am not going to go start a satellite in, in Tyler or College Station or in Tulsa because I know there's already great believers and great worship ministries and great teaching ministries in those places. I will encourage you to be a part of that because it's never been about me and it's never been about us. It's always about the kingdom of God. And isolationists always are wrong in Scripture. God designed us to be unified and together. And then simply, the first part of verse 11, avoid every appearance of evil. Scripture tells us this over and over again. But we don't do anything to further the kingdom of God or to bring glory to God by doing anything that is questionable. And I like the way that John says this to Gaius about Diotrephes. Just avoid the appearance of evil. When I first became a believer, I I wanted to know the rules. And I realized really quickly that was like gonna be really complex. And then the rules changed because as I grew, as as I was discipled, as I matured, I realized that things that originally I thought were on the yes, you can do this side of the rules, suddenly became things that God started convicting me, his spirit started telling me in my heart, no, I haven't said specifically in scripture, you can't do that, but I don't think it's a good idea, and I feel that, I hear that in my heart, and I begin to realize, okay, that, that now may not have been sin before, but it's sin now, let me stay away from it. But John says, don't just worry about the rules, Worry about the very appearance of evil, the very image of it. And he gives in Demetrius a great example of how to do the opposite of that. He says in the the transition in verse 11, it says, don't imitate what is evil. Don't even go to the place where there's this appearance of evil, but imitate what is good. And that's how he transitions and introduces Demetrius. Do what's good. 
Find positive role models. Find them. As soon as you step foot, as soon as your bags are out of the car and mom and dad have left, find a positive role model. And live out our transformation. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil is not of God. John has said this repeatedly as we've studied him this winter. If you want to know whether or not a person is a believer, look at the production, uh, look at the product of their life. Because if you continue to live in evil, then there is no evidence of regeneration. There's no evidence of transformation and change. Because when you realize how much God loved you and the price he paid so that we could live a new life, you want to live a new life. You remember verses like 2 Corinthians 5, 17 that I quoted during baptism, that anyone who is in Christ is a new creature. The old has passed away, new has come. We don't want that old anymore. We want only the new. And we focus on that because we're in Christ. And now we are those changed people. Find role models. Seek after ongoing transformation. This is a race we run until the very end. There there is no time out. There There is no sense of, okay, you finish this stage, rest a while. We do this on and on and on for the rest of our lives. You'll be focused on making choices this summer, and you'll be focused on making choices 40 summers from now, 50 summers from now, because we always are making choices. Make them for righteousness. Make them for those positive examples. Be that positive example. Make it for transformation. Do the things that are commendable. I love the way he says this about Demetrius. Everyone speaks well of Demetrius. Even the truth itself speaks well of Demetrius. And we also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. Live a commendable life. This is why when you look at our church core values and we talk about changed lives and we talk about being biblically focused, it helps us to live commendable lives. I can't think of anything greater than if I happen to be in Tulsa sometime next year and walk on campus and go to Baptist Student Ministries or go to whatever church, and the pastor comes up to me and says, Pastor, Hey, man, I think that kid, Elijah, it's amazing. His parents did a phenomenal job. Your church, your student ministry did a phenomenal job. He's awesome. He, he does anything we want him to do. He's great on camera. He catches all of his shots every single time. He, you know, he's willing to serve. I mean, that kind of stuff, it makes us proud, not because we're old, but it makes us proud as parents and grandparents, spiritual parents and grandparents, because it shows a commendable life. I mean, we want that. How how many of us, if we've been believers for any length of time, have listened to Jesus' story of the businessmen and their investments and listened to Jesus' conclusion for those who took their lives, endured the risk, and made something of it? How many of us want to hear those words that Jesus says? Well done, good and faithful servant. I mean, there's a lot of things I look forward to in heaven, but that's one I want to hear more than anything else. Well done. That's not competitive. I mean, it is kind of competitive, honestly, but it's because Jesus changed everything. And if I can in this life please him and live in a commendable fashion, I want to do so. 
Demetrius was great at communication. John emphasizes that as well in his own relationship. We've talked a lot about that this winter. Live being able to communicate, write things down, don't, and, and recognize there needs to be conversation, there needs to be relationship. I hope to see you, he says. We've heard this phrase already in both 2nd and 3rd John. And when we see you, when I see you, we will talk face to face. Build those positive examples. Live out to transformation. Live a life that's commendable. Communicate and interact with people. Make friends. Build relationships. Be a blessing. John's final words are simply peace to you. Be a blessing. Find people and bless them. Bless them by your actions. Bless them by your words. Give give them the impression or the desire to be with you because they see the love of Jesus in you. Be a blessing. Demonstrate our generous hearts in every venue of life, not just on Sundays, but every moment. And then last, just never forget, as we make choices, what kind of church member we want to be. John emphasizes friendliness. The last words, verse 15, the friends send you greetings. Greet the friends by name. That may seem simple, but it's huge. For most of the people with us today, I think for those even on live stream with us this morning, being greeted, being welcomed, being in a friendly atmosphere helped today be a great day. Because life's hard. It's going to be hard tomorrow. We face difficult decisions, difficult diagnoses, difficult directions. Everything we face tomorrow, we can come up with this long alliteration of everything that's going to be hard about tomorrow. But having been with friends today, in the presence of God, where his spirit can speak to us, where his word can guide us, makes a difference. And that's why I say I want you all to prioritize First and foremost, when you go off to wherever you're headed, if it's going to be out of this community, find that church home. And when you find that church home, if you meet Demetrius, stick to him. If you meet Diotrephes, have nothing to do with him. Leave him alone. 